number 21, and uh, <clears throat> we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Numbers 21, and beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, And when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. <clears throat> and Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. Notice verse 3, And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of the place Hormah. Verse 4 is the text verse. The Bible says, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Verse 5, And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. And let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the Word of God as we talked a little about it in Sunday school, about how important it is for us to have the right relationship with the Bible, the Word of God. It's not just a book that contains your thoughts or, or contains your words, but Father, the, the Bible is your Word. And it's inspired, and it's infallible, and it's inerrant. And, and uh, Father, it'll help us if we'll allow it to help us. And I pray that as we hear it preached this morning, that you'll uh, bless it, and uh, that you'll use it in our lives to convict us, to provoke us, to love and to good works, to encourage us, and to help us be an encouragement to others. Father, if there's one here this morning who doesn't know Jesus Christ as his or her personal Savior, I pray that today would be that day when they uh, accept uh, his payment for their sins, on a personal level, and receive Him as our Savior. We ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. You can be seated. The Bible tells us <clears throat> that uh, the nation of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. And, of course, you know the story how that uh, God, uh, God told Moses to send spies into the Promised Land. And uh, they came back, ten uh, had a bad report, two had a good report. The people believed that the ten who had the bad report. And because the people believed the people with the bad report, the spies with the bad report, God said, I'm going to cause you to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40, that's a long time. And here in Numbers 21, uh, if you looked at the chronology of the journeys of the people in the wilderness, you'll find that they were toward the end of that 40 years worth of wandering. They were in year 39 or year 40, as best we can tell, uh, in the reading and the research of the Scriptures. But the Bible tells us that the people uh, came to a place that was narrow and a place where the terrain was rough. They had just fought a battle. In fact, you read in the first couple of verses of the chapter that we just read, <clears throat> where the Canaanites had been giving, uh, giving the God's people some problems and the Israelites cried out to God for deliverance and, and God gave them that deliverance. God answered their prayers. And by the way, let me stop and say this. I'm glad that I serve a prayer-answering God. God still hears the prayers of His people. God still answers the prayers of His people. And uh, many times the reason why we don't see answers to prayer is because we don't pray. 
And uh, Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 3, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. You know, God wants to show great and mighty things, but sometimes we're not asking great and mighty things. And uh, we have no one to blame but ourselves. But here in the passage, God's people had prayed for deliverance from the Canaanites, and God came through for them in a mighty way. And then in the very next verse, verse number 4, we see that instead of being a people of gratitude and thanksgiving, something happened that caused their discouragement. Look at verse number 4 with me again, if you will. In fact, let's all read verse 4 together, shall we? Ready, begin. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Did you see that? The soul of the people was much discouraged. Much discouraged. Now, uh, let me say this. They, uh, the way that they came, the Bible says they came by the way of Mount Hor, uh, H-O-R, and, uh, I did a little research on that. That, that journey, that particular, uh, topography or the terrain where they were traveling was very rough. It was very mountainous and it was a, a narrow mountain pass that they had to travel through. And not only was it narrow, now we're talking about two and a half to three million people, okay? We're, we're not talking about uh, you and your camping buddies going up on the 15th of November up north, and uh, we're not talking about that kind of narrow or that kind of crowd. We're talking about a large group of people here, okay? Two and a half to three million people, and uh, they were led by Moses through this mountain pass. And by the way, God told them to go that way. It wasn't that they were doing something on their own. They were, they were doing what they were supposed to do. But the Bible say, uh, tells us that, uh, uh, that they were discouraged by the way. They were discouraged, uh, discouraged, if you will, by the path. They were discouraged because of the, uh, the, the things were tough on them. And uh, uh, we understand through the reading of the background material that uh, this area would have sandstorms frequently. Anybody here ever been in a sandstorm? Uh, we were out in Southern California years ago uh, for a meeting, and I remember uh, out in the the uh, high desert of Southern California, a sandstorm came up, and boy, it's uh, that's pretty tough. And uh, but that's uh, you can imagine two and a half to three million people with no shelter. They weren't in buses or cars or any kind of uh, any kind of uh, uh, have any kind of shelter. And so you can imagine that would have been a little bit irritating to them as well. <clears throat> but they were going in a direction they didn't understand. They were headed south, away from the promised land, and none of this made sense to them. The path they were on did not make sense. The storms, the sandstorms perhaps, which they may have had to endure, that didn't make sense. Uh, the, the, the fact that they were heading away from Canaan instead of toward Canaan, that didn't make sense to them. Now, keep in mind, Moses was leading them. They still had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And so Moses only took them where the leadership of that pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire took them. So they were where God wanted them to be. But the path was tough. The way was tough. It was rugged. It was rough. It was treacherous, if you will. And the Bible says the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. They were tired. They were weary. They were worn out, if you will. They were upset over things that happened, some of which was their own doings. And, and of course, the, the, the very reason they were in the wilderness still after 40 years was because of their own disobedience uh, many years before this. But understand something, they were discouraged. Does, does anybody here ever get discouraged? Sure you do. 
I won't ask for a show of hands because it should be unanimous. And if it's not, there's some people who need to hit the altar for lying in church. But anyway, uh, all of us, every single one of us, from the men who sit on the platform to Brother Rieger in the PA booth and everybody in between, all of us get discouraged from time to time. Well, these people weren't just a little bit discouraged. The Bible says that the soul of the people was much discouraged. They had it. I mean, they had had it up to here. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we can all uh, uh, commiserate with that. The connotation of the verse tells us that, uh, that this was beyond they were just having a bad day. No, their soul was much discouraged. There was anguish. There was bitterness. There was grieving. And by the way, let me say this in, uh, by way of introduction. Discouragement not only can happen to all of us, discouragement does happen to all of us. Preachers get discouraged. Uh, teachers get discouraged, and workers get discouraged, and and uh, <clears throat> men of all trades and all professions and all vocations get discouraged. I don't care who you are or how topside you try to be or how optimistic your outlook generally is. Everybody, everybody from time to time faces discouragement. But here's the message. It's not... It's not that you can prevent discouragement all the time, but how you handle discouragement is key. How you deal with discouragement in your life will determine many times what happens as a result of that discouragement. And I want, I want us to look at that this morning. It doesn't matter uh, what your vocation or your lot in life is. You and I are susceptible to discouragement. If we don't deal with it properly, this story tells us what happens. You see, look with me, if you will, at verse number 5. Verse number 5. It says, And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, wait a minute. Two verses before this, the Bible says that the Lord heard their prayer and gave them victory over their enemies. Just two verses before this. And now, <clears throat> I don't know how much time elapsed between verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 5, but what happened? I mean, God's been so good to them, and now they're saying, uh, and they're, uh, they're murmuring against Moses, they're complaining, they're griping, and they say to Moses, hey, Moses, why'd you bring us over here anyway? Why did you bring us into wilderness? You just want us to die here? Come on, Moses, well, what's up with all of this? And I'm, I'm sure there was all kinds of, uh, of uh, conversations and all kinds of accusations and innuendos that were uh, directed toward Moses and Aaron, the leadership of the nation of Israel. It says, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread. And uh, when I was uh, reviewing my notes before coming to Sunday school, uh, after finding out that we didn't have any water, and I read this little phrase, Neither is there any water. You don't think God has a sense of humor? I'll promise you He does. And <laughs> He said, Hey, Moses... Uh, here we are in the wilderness. You've led us here. We don't have any food. We don't have any water. And our soul loatheth. The word loatheth is a very strong word. It's the same, it's, it's the same connotation where it says that Job eschewed evil. It's a, an intense hatred of. He said, they said our soul loatheth this light bread. Now wait a minute. That light bread was the manna that God gave every morning from heaven. They were griping about God's provision. They were complaining about what God had done for them. Boy, how ungrateful can you be? But verse 5 is a great indication of what happens or what can happen to us if we do not handle discouragement in the right way. You see, it's not, let me stop and say this. 
it's not necessarily a sin to be discouraged. You hear what I said? I've, uh, <clears throat> I've seen church marquee signs that have said stuff like this, too blessed to be depressed. Now, you know what? That sounds really good, but it's not always the case. Now, we're all blessed, that's for sure. I'm not saying that's not the case. But there's some, there's some good people. I'm looking at some good people this morning. You and I face bouts of discouragement. We do. There's no question about that. I'm not, hey, it is, there's nowhere in that book where it says it's a sin for us to be discouraged. But how we handle discouragement can lead us into sin. We can, we can react wrongly to discouragement instead of having the right reaction to discouragement and, and come out on the other side of it. And I want to share that with you, what to do in times of discouragement. How to handle properly, how to handle biblically discouragement. The children of Israel, they did not handle it correctly. Because the Bible tells us their first reaction was they murmured and they complained. They griped. They, if you don't mind me using this term, belly ached <laughs> they uh <clears throat> they spoke poorly about moses they griped to the leadership they griped to god himself they complained and, and uh you know what <clears throat> uh, every parent in this room knows how how grating that can be on your nerves after a while you ever been on a, a road trip with your kids <clears throat> are we there yet no are we there yet no are we there yet no i gotta go to the bathroom and, uh, and you just passed a sign that said next rest area, 54 miles, you know. And uh, we, all, <laughs> we all know what that's like. And no one has to use the bathroom at an opportune time, much like the only time you've ever had to use the restroom was this morning when you got in here and found out there was no water in the building. But anyway, and uh, we'll get a lot of mileage out of that, amen. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But every parent knows what it's like when you're riding down the road and, uh, and your kids, they'll start complaining about what they don't have or I'm hungry or I got to go potty or I got to do this. And uh, <clears throat> Philip's not in here, so I'll pick on him. Uh, <clears throat> Philip, our middle son, uh, he was famous for this. Uh, we would, uh, uh, we, we'd be on a trip. Uh, my, my grandparents lived two hours away from us and we'd go down to see him and, and, uh, and Philip would say, <clears throat> Dad, Daddy, I, I've got to go to the bathroom. He always emphasized the B of bathroom. Dad, I got to go to the bathroom. And when he was just a little bitty guy, he's going to kill me for saying this, but it's too late now. He, he'd say, Dad, I got to go to the bed. Never mind. Anyway, uh, but uh, <laughs> just making sure you're awake this morning. But all the parents here know what it's like to have to hear the griping and the complaining and the murmuring, and they're saying you, they got to do stuff, and and well, they want to stop, and they want it right now, and, and all of us know what that's like as a parent to be on the receiving end of that. You know, our, our, our heavenly Father is on the receiving end of that a lot as well. He hears us gripe. He hears us complain. He hears us whine, and sometimes I can't help but think the God of the universe probably gets tired of it. We gripe against the one who loves us and provides for us. Hey, not only did they gripe and murmur when, it, uh, when they were discouraged, they, it, it caused uh, unbelief was another reaction. Unbelief. 
Look, look at what it says, verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, wait a minute. What was God's promise when they left Egypt? We're going to the promised land. What was God's desire for them? What did God tell them by the hand of Moses when he went down to talk to Pharaoh and to talk to the people? He said, hey, Moses, you tell them the I am has sent you to deliver them out of Egypt and we're going to get out of here and we're going to take it to Canaan land, to the place that you promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and uh, we're going on to the promised land. Now, wait a minute. That same group of people said to Moses and to Aaron and to God, mind you, why'd you bring us out here to die? What is that? Unbelief unbelief. All of a sudden, God wasn't God anymore. All of a sudden, God hadn't been fair to them. All of a sudden, after God had just answered their prayers and given them victory over the Canaanites, that same good God of heaven is now the bad guy. And now they don't believe him anymore. You, you say, preacher, why is that? They had the wrong reaction to discouragement. Again, it wasn't necessarily sinful to be discouraged, but it was sinful in how they handled it. What else happened? Not only was there murmuring and complaining, but not only was there unbelief, but notice number three, there was ingratitude. Just rank ingratitude. God, you haven't been good to us. You haven't been good to us. We don't have any water here. We don't have any food here. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the road is rough and rugged, and, and it's a narrow mountain pass here, God. And, and it just the ingratitude. May I say, probably, probably the most oft-committed sin in this room is the sin of ingratitude. Probably. Those of us who have been given so much by the good God of heaven are so prone to be ungrateful. You know, your presence here this morning is testimony to the good, to the good grace of God in your life. You got up this morning and uh, you, uh, you were able to stand on your own two feet for the most part, and you were able to, uh, uh, you, you had your mental faculties about you, <laughs> for the most part, so, uh, it, it took me a while, I'll be honest with you, after about half a cup of coffee, I began to come around, <clears throat> but hey, all kidding and joking aside, God's been good to you, God's been gracious to every single one of us, hey, if we never, if God never ever did another single thing for those of us who are saved, our salvation is enough for eternity for us to be grateful, and yet we complain. And yet we gripe, and yet we display a spirit of unbelief and ingratitude toward the good God of heaven. I don't understand it, and I'm sure that God... And by the way, I say I don't understand it, and yet <clears throat> I'm guilty of it on occasion. I'm simply saying these are things that happen if we don't, if we don't handle discouragement in the proper way. What else can happen? The last thing, by way of introduction, uh, contempt for God's blessings. Contempt or hatred for what God's done for you. Not just ingratitude, but to turn around and say, Hey, God, we don't like this light bread anymore. Understand something. They're in the middle of a desert. And every morning, Sunday through Friday, the children of Israel would get up, and the Bible says that manna covered the ground. They covered the ground. And it was like angel's food. Not angel food cake, that's what some of you are thinking right now, but <clears throat> some of you had just hit a nerve there. But uh, but angel's food, you know what? I'm assuming that had to be pretty good stuff. But the Bible says that the people in their discouragement, they said to God, our soul loatheth this light bread. God, we don't want this anymore. In other words, they had contempt for God's blessing. Wow. 
It's a sad state to be in. By the way, notice, notice the result. We won't, get, we won't get into this as part of the message, but in verse number 6, God sent fiery serpents to judge them. You think God looked upon that lightly? You think that God took their ingratitude and their unbelief and their contempt for His blessings and, uh, and their murmuring and complaining? You think God took that sitting down? God took that lightly? No, He judged them severely. The Bible says many Israelites died because of the plague of the fiery serpents, all in a reaction in response to their poor response to discouragement. Now, you see, discouragement, again, it comes to all of us. So let's learn to deal with discouragement correctly. I want to give you several things here at the end of the message, <clears throat> how to handle discouragement. Now, let me just set your mind to these. This will go quick, okay? You don't need to look at your watch. I know your stomach's growling. And, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but, but let me just help you. How to handle discouragement. Since we're all going to face it, since we all do face it from time to time, and by the way, let's do this. This is not necessarily part of the message, but why don't we be patient with others who act improperly when they're discouraged? Why don't we learn to cut brothers and sisters a little bit of slack sometimes? You know, <clears throat> you have a bad day sometimes. I, I, I understand they're few and far between. But, uh, but on the days when you have a bad day, you know what? You want someone to be patient with you. So let's be patient with others when others don't react properly. But let me give you some things about how to react to discouragement. Number one, don't become part of the crowd. Number one, don't become part of the crowd. Now get the, get the mental image here. Here's a, a, a valley, a narrow mountain pass, and two and a half to three million Jews are here in this valley, and there's discouragement, there's, there's widespread complaining, there's almost a mutiny going on against Moses and against his leadership and against Aaron, and, uh, and everybody's complaining, everybody's griping, everybody's poor-mouthing. Hey, I'm sure there was somebody, the Bible doesn't tell us, but hopefully there were some people there who decided, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to be a part of the griping. You know, anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. It's part of our human... Nobody had to teach us how to complain. We never went to Complaining 101 in school. <laughs> no, it's, it's part of who we are. And if we're, not, if we're not careful, our discouragement will cause us to become gripers or complainers. Look, just decide, I'm not going to be a part of that. I may... Look, <clears throat> I'm not... By the way, I'm not going to listen to it. You know what... <clears throat> One of the best ways to stop somebody who gripes and complains a lot is just don't give them a listening ear. You know how, how much no fun it is to talk to yourself about that after a while? <laughs> but really, a lot of times we encourage griping, we encourage gossip, we encourage poor talk or poor communication because we are willing to give a listening ear to it. <laughs> well, look, why don't we just decide, I'm not going to be part of the crowd who complains. I'm not, I'm just gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna check into that. Number two, how else can we have the right reaction to discouragement? Number two, decide to be an encourager. Decide, and these are, this is real basic stuff here, okay? This is nothing, uh, uh, theologically earth shattering right here, but it'll help you if you'll listen to it. Decide to be an encourager. Decide to be somebody who, who says, you know what, I, I, not only am I not going to be a part of the crowd that, that discourages, the part of the crowd that gripes and complains, I'm going to be somebody who, in the face of discouragement, says, I'm going to go find someone else and encourage them. And by the way, that's one of the best things you'll ever do to help yourself. 
I promise you that. Here's what happens. <clears throat> we go through bad circumstances. We have a bad day. Uh, discouragement uh, comes knocking on our door. And instead of going to help someone else, here's what we do. We throw a pity party. And you know who comes to pity parties besides you? Nobody. <laughs> You're the only attendee of your pity party in most cases. But I'll tell you what, when discouragement comes in your life, when, dis when discouragement comes knocking on your door, <clears throat> what you ought to do is go find somebody who needs the gospel. Hey, go find somebody who needs help. Go find somebody who's a little bit despondent. Go find somebody who, who needs some encouragement themselves, and you be the one to be an encourager to those people. Hey, I promise you this, uh, it'll give you a new perspective on your discouragement. It'll help you. You say, oh, preacher, that's just, that's just psychology. Try it sometime. You try it sometime. Look, I, I've, uh, I've uh, had counseling sessions, and I've talked to people, and, and uh, I've had days where, I'll be honest with you, uh, I just wanted to, to throw my own little pity party. And, uh, and I've had people come in my office, and I've tried to, to and, and I've heard their burdens, and I've, or I've, I've had phone calls from someone who says, hey, would you pray about this matter? And I've hung up, and I felt so guilty on the inside, thinking, God, why in the world was I poor mouthing to start with? You know, there's always somebody who has it worse than you do. That's right. There's always someone who, I'm, I look, I'm not minimizing your problems. I'm not saying <coughs> that, uh, that you don't have some serious burdens that you carry, but I promise you there's always somebody out there who has it worse than you do. And, and more than that, if you'll find somebody to encourage, it'll, it'll make you encouraged. Number three, what to do when you're encouraged? When tempted to complain, look for something to thank God for. Look for a reason. Look for something to be thankful for. Look, I'm simply saying, I, I, well, again, Everyone gets discouraged. Everyone faces these times where you're just a little bit down and, and, uh, and, and man, you're just, uh, uh, your, your spirit's really not what it ought to be. I'm not saying that's simple, but I'm saying if you react wrongly, you can get yourself in a lot of problems like the children of Israel did. But instead, why don't we decide, hey, I'm not going to be part of the crowd. I'm not going to be part of the crowd who, who uh, murmurs and gripes and complains. In fact, I'm going to go look for somebody that I can encourage. And then number three, hey, let's look for something to say, hey, I'm just going to thank God for something right now. And by the way, I'll say this. You won't have to think very long before you'll find plenty of reasons to be thankful. you got two good legs. you walked in here on you uh, you got a home in heaven if you're saved. You woke up this morning on this side of the grass, amen? <laughs> That's right. Hey, I love that verse over in Lamentations. Wherefore then shall the living man complain? Why should any of us who have a breath to breathe, oh, I'm not saying you don't have problems. I'm saying we, all can, we can find something to thank God for. Something to thank God for. Number four, <clears throat> And I, I hasten quickly through these. Develop a habit of praise. Develop a habit of praise. You know, <clears throat> griping comes naturally to us, but praise doesn't. That's right. Murmuring and complaining and belly aching and griping, however you want to describe it, all of that comes naturally to us because it's part of our sinful nature. Why don't we instead, on purpose, and by the way, if you do this, it will have to be done on purpose, develop a habit of praise. 
A habit of praising God for what He's done. We talk about finding something to be thankful for, but when I say praise, I'm talking about praising God and and, and uh, not, not just thanking Him for what He's done, but thanking Him for who He is. That's called worship. That's called getting alone and, and just and just spending some time. Look, I'm sure, look, God wants you to pray, okay? God wants you to bring your petitions to Him. But the Bible also says, and I mentioned yesterday in the men's prayer meeting, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Praise. Every now and then, it's a good idea for us to just go to God and say, God, you know, I've got a list of things to ask you for, but for right now, I just want to be in your presence. God, I just want to spend time with you. God, I just want to tell you how good you are. God, I just want to thank you and praise you for salvation and praise you for your goodness and praise you for your grace and your long-suffering and your mercy and your justice and your righteousness and your gentleness and your long-suffering to me. God, I just want to thank you for my family and for my spouse and for my kids and, and in many of your cases, your grandkids. God, I just want to spend time. And boy, why don't you just get alone and have a spell with God? I promise you, it'll help your discouragement. I hope you discourage me. Hey, here's another one. Remember past victories. When you get discouraged, how should I handle it? Remember how God came through for you in the past. Look, in verse 2 or 3, I forget which it is, the Bible tells us how that God gave Israel the victory over their enemies after they had asked Him. God came through for them in a great way. And here we have it, two or three verses later, they're complaining, they're griping. Something's not right about that. If they would just have stopped and said, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. God helped us just a few days ago. Hey, it was just, just a few hours ago maybe that we asked God to deliver us from our enemies, the Canaanites, and God came through for us. Hey, God has come through for you many times if you'll stop and remember it. Yeah. Yeah, all you got, look, we're, we are so short on memory sometimes, aren't we? When it comes to the goodness of God. We're so prone to remember all the bad, and, and boy, we, uh, we remember every gory detail of how things went wrong and how this went haywire and all this. Hey, why don't we on purpose, by character, and discipline ourselves to remind ourselves of how good God has been and, how, and the victories that God has won in your life? Oh, again, you won't have to stop and think very long. What to do when discouraged? I said, don't become part of the crowd. I said, decide to be an encourager. When tempted to complain, look for something to thank God for. Develop a habit of praise. Remember past victories. Hey, here's another good one. Sing. Sing. You said, preacher, me? Sing? Yeah, you. You say, preacher, when I sing, Heaven's angels cover their ears, and David refuses to play his harp. It's bad when I sing. Now, we may hear you sing, and Brother Dave may not approach you to, to join the choir. But can I tell you something? God likes to hear you sing. And by the way, singing's good for you. It's good for you. You know, we don't just sing songs randomly in every service just to take up time. We don't. You know, one of the most important books <coughs> that you have at your disposal when you come to church is not just, your, obviously, aside from the Word of God itself, but that book right there. That's an important book right there. Why? There's 
The Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, Lord. Hey, the verse that precedes talking about songs and hymns and spiritual songs talk about being filled with the Spirit. And you know, when I'm filled with the Spirit, it's hard to be filled with the Spirit and live and dwell in discouragement. Hey, singing's good for us. We ought to sing. Sing the right song and sing it loud. Hey, if you got to get away from everybody else because you're a little bit uh, self-conscious about how you sing, fine, but sing. Sing. And then the last thing I want you to see is this. How to react properly to times of discouragement. Thank God you're saved. You belong to Him. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. You know what? That's what those folks should have been singing. Oh, it was going to take them longer to get there, and they'd been in the wilderness for 40 years, but hey, they're on their way to Canaan land. Somebody should have stopped and said, Hey, fellas, what are we doing? griping what are we doing and not being grateful what are we doing uh, not believing god he's taking us to the promised land somebody should have reminded them of that and whenever you and i get discouraged if nothing else works <laughs> oh it will but on your list of things to do when you're discouraged remind yourself i'm going to heaven i'm a child of god Heaven is my home. That book, the Bible, is my book. The one we talked about in Sunday school this morning. Hey, <laughs> Jesus is my Savior and my older brother, and I have an inheritance beyond the clouds that I'll have forever. Hey, <laughs> it, I don't care what you're going through, and I'm not saying what you're going through is not important, and I'm not trying to minimize it, but understand something. When we get discouraged, and we all will at some point, why don't we take a biblical approach to it instead of ingratitude instead of murmuring instead of god hasn't been good to me instead of contempt for god's blessing lord what a shame you go on to read the story and god sent fiery serpents to judge his people he took it very seriously when they did not handle discouragement in the right way our heads are bowed our eyes are closed every head bowed every